I'm Gabriela Fresquez, and this is Radar 2021. Turning 18 marks a rite of passage for a lot of things. Voting, playing the lotto, buying spray paint, and making permanent aesthetic decisions without mom and dad's approval. His body, his choice. But imagine reaching this consequential milestone without ever learning how to open a savings account or budget your money, all while legally becoming a financially independent adult. Hi, I'm Imperium the First, and I'm in the streets of Miami, and today we're going to find out how much people really know about financial literacy. How do you feel about your financial future? Extremely confident. <laughs> Sad. I'm very secure. I own my own business back in Michigan. Do you have a 401k? No, sir, I don't. I did, but then I cashed it out. Savings or checkings and why? I have both. Savings and checkings because I have two kids at home, so I have to make sure they're financially stable if anything was ever to happen to me. You have it, like, more secure if you have a saving. Did you learn about preparing for your future in school or from your parents? My parents, not for school. I'm going to go with parents. From my parents. Have you ever thought about retirement and what it takes to be ready? Um, I think about it. I don't want to retire, but I think about it. I believe in the 4% rule. Yeah, I have uh, insurance for my retirement since I was 20 years. Apart from whatever your family taught you or that one week in high school economics, being underprepared for financial adulting is pretty much the norm for most of us. And it's not exactly a priority in American public schools either. I would know. Since I'm from the generation that thought a retired Patty the Platypus Beanie Baby was as good as a 401k plan. A lot of times we're not talking too much about money because it's a little more taboo or there's usually shame attached to it. Like, oh, we don't want to, you know, make anybody feel bad about their financial situation if it's different from ours. Um, and so for me, I think the reason why those things are not in school is because they're so personal, right? There's so many um, people that will solve the same money problem, but in totally different ways. Well, you might choose to approach this money problem in this way. Somebody else might choose to approach it in a totally different way. And that's okay. It's personal. But you have to learn all the different ways so that then you can choose the way that works for you and your situation. So I think that because it's very personalized, a lot of people think it doesn't belong in schools and it maybe should just be something that parents teach their children, not teachers teach students. But um, I, you know, personally, I do disagree. We do need a very formal education in understanding money. How does it operate systemically? And what are some of the best strategies to make yourself successful financially? I appreciate casually injecting fun facts about the Pythagorean theorem into daily life. I would have benefited way more from learning how to maintain my credit score or what a deductible is or why you should never mix Amazon Prime with alcohol. I'm still wondering how I wound up placing an order for LED lightsaber chopsticks at 4 a.m. on a Tuesday. As many continue to endure the financial toll the pandemic has taken, there's been a pointed effort to prioritize financial literacy, with at least two dozen state legislatures now considering bills on the matter. Even Gen Zers are acknowledging how important it is, with over 70% saying better financial literacy could have improved their money management during the pandemic. Oh, hi there. I'm Ivan Emilio. I would love to be good at saving money, but <laughs> I have no idea what I'm doing. My mom is always saying, Guarda dinero, no lo eches todo bajo el chorro. And I'm all for saving money, but I love online shopping way too much. Like, it's a problem for me because it's too accessible. Do I really need to spend $80 on a star projector that I saw on TikTok? No, but... 
I'm Silgana, and I'm gonna blame it on our education system for not teaching us how to handle these tough decisions. Because pfft, we barely get any financial education in school, and more financial literacy means we wouldn't create any bad habits like postmating every day when we clearly have a fridge full of food at home. Guilty. Now, what is financial literacy? Hmm. Well, my friend, it's basically the ability of using certain skills like budgeting and investing in our day-to-day lives. Basically, know how to save money and be smart about it. We all would love to buy our dream house, the car we've always wanted, but it's been a lot harder with my generation. So what can we do to have a better relationship with money? Well, we can keep track of our spending, and before you make a big purchase, really think if you need it or not. You'd be surprised the amount of times we buy things by impulse and not by necessity. Hence the $80 star projector. Also put some money into your savings account whenever you can. Little by little, it will add up. Bring it on life, I got this. Talking about money is considered taboo in many Latinx families. And given that less than 13% of people working in the finance sector are Latinx, Access to Spanish-speaking advisors or those who understand our cultural nuances is limited. Fortunately, Latinx entrepreneurs have been stepping in to fill this void by making quality financial services more accessible to those who need it. When I moved to Wall Street after graduating from MIT, I had a chance to work in the asset management uh, world. I never even heard of what was a 401k because my, my parents didn't really have access to a 401k. We always talked about you know how much money we were making and how we were doing so far that day or that month, but we never really talked about what are we gonna do with our money for the next 10 years or 20 years. And I also thought to myself, if, if I have this misunderstanding of the products and I'm here in Wall Street, imagine what's happening with you know thousands of Latinos and Latinas uh, and, and that's basically what, uh, you know, when I realized that it was time to, to change that and start Finhabits. Finhabits is a platform that allows uh, Latinos and Latinas in this country to not only invest their money and save for retirement, but also uh, get health insurance. What I realized is that the products that were being created, they were being created by people that didn't understand us. How do we... Uh, allow the Latinx community to to build these financial habits that 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 will allow the, the Latinos to grow wealth over the next two three generations. Young Latinxes with smart financial habits means that the country will continue to grow and generate wealth over time. Because if you look at the number of Latinx joining the workforce every day, if you add that. On top of that, the fact that they have strong financial habits, they will be able to compound wealth over time, and the economy will continue to grow. So it's good for everyone. Latinxes have historically been left out of Wall Street, but the pandemic created a unique opportunity for more inclusive investing. While we were stuck at home with ample time to make TikToks with our pets, we witnessed a surge in popularity of online trading apps like Robinhood. I don't have that much money saved up, so there's not as much on the line. Robinhood has really become synonymous with millennial retail traders. It's free. All of the major brokerage firms have followed Robinhood with zero commissions. Robinhood investors pouring even more money into this trading startup. 
Robinhood announcing an additional $320 million cash injection, which eliminated traditional barriers to entry to the stock market, like commission fees or a minimum investment. Couple that with the economic boom that followed a historic recession in early 2020, and you open the door to a bunch of social media savvy amateur investors with the power to impact the market and piss a lot of people off in the process. At the end of March 2020, one share of stock in GameStop was about $2.80. Ten months later, in January of 2021, their stock price exploded by more than 1,000% to a high of $468.49. In January of 2021, some leaders from Wall Street companies like Citron Research and Melvin Capital bet against GameStop. But chats and messages encouraging participants to purchase shares in GameStop GameStop spread throughout an online group with millions of participants on a website called Reddit. This pushed the stock price up higher and higher by creating lots of new demand. Melvin Capital and other Wall Street companies that bet against GameStop lost billions of dollars. With increased access to the stock market, young Latinx investors are more motivated by the opportunity to build generational wealth and invest back into their own communities. I'm Royal Elbir. I am an electrical engineering student at Costa LA, and I trade stocks to make some money. When the economy took a hit at the start of the pandemic last year, Royer started investing in the stock market as a day trader. I had to learn very quickly because there was opportunity because every every stock was like super low in price. And if I bought at the right time, then I can ride it on the way back up. Day trading has even changed Royer's sleep schedule. I wish I was in New York so I can trade, just get up at 8 a.m. But now I have to get up at 4 a.m. here and do the research I have to do at 4 a.m. so I can get ready for a 6.30 open, market open. Well, coming from a throwaway country, from Honduras, that's pushed me a lot. My family pushes me a lot, uh, just giving them and showing them that there's, there's better out there, you know? He also encourages people to make informed decisions before trying this at home. When you want to get into these stocks, you don't want to just jump in it because it's gambling. So might as well go to a casino and gamble there. I think a lot of people think that it's easy and quick money. But um, I think that the market would humble you. For Royer, investing is just the beginning of his wealth journey. If you're going to make money in the market, don't just spend it on random stuff. I spent the money I earned in the market on a business. And I'm trying to grow that business so I can start getting into the real estate market. It makes sense that young Latinxes, especially those from immigrant families, are eager to build generational wealth, since for many, it's previously been inaccessible. Growing up, the only generational wealth I ever acquired was hand-me-down footy pajamas or outdated Nintendo games. Ramona Ortega, founder and CEO of Mi Dinero Mi Futuro, recognized the potential of this group and created a company dedicated to helping Latinx millennials take control of their financial future. If you look at the data, it's very clear. Latinx and African-American families have $100,000 less than everyone else in terms of net worth, right? And that's what we call the racial wealth gap. If we took all of our assets and we paid all of our bills, do we have anything left over? And the answer is not a lot, and especially in communities of color. And that's why we created My Money, My Future, Mi Dinero, Mi Futuro, was there was a whole new market out there. We are the growth market in the U.S. for 
uh, financial services. And I said, no one else is doing this. It is time. We must be able to give people the tools and the quality financial advice they deserve to build wealth. I've seen so many families lose wealth because they didn't talk about money. So maybe a grandmother or a grandfather had a family business or a family house. People didn't talk about what was going to happen to that when they pass. And when they do, they don't realize that probate court is going to step in. Right. So there's lots of reasons why, in particular, our communities need to talk about it. Not to mention the fact that we've got, you know, one point, almost two trillion dollars in buying power. And we we actually own less than three percent of the wealth. Investing in real estate is another crucial step to building generational wealth. And while Latinx communities have traditionally fallen behind when it comes to home ownership, today we're becoming homeowners at a higher rate than the overall U.S. population. But making a sound real estate investment isn't always straightforward. Latinx can create generational wealth. Investing in real estate. So the first tip, are you going to be creating some type of rental income? Understanding how much is that going to cost you, right? So that can be closing costs, the down payment, that can be the fix-up. Even if you are buying a brand new place, there's always additional costs that you have to think ahead. Another tip is, are you going to be holding this property for a long-term rental or something that maybe you're going to flip or you're going to sell within the first few years, have your exit strategy first before actually buying a property. Some people say, I found a good deal. The numbers make sense. But then when you ask them, what's your exit strategy? They look at you like, well, I'm just going to wait for the, the property to appreciate. Well, what happens if it's the opposite or a recession hits? Another tip is do your research, understand the market. If you're buying close to home or out of state, understand that every market is different. Do you need a property management? Someone to help you along with the the fix-ups, the rehabbing that comes with maintaining a property. Buyer beware. Why? Because we understand it's very clear. As Latinx, we are opportunists. We see an ugly house and somehow we think we can make it great, right? We see these, these fixes that can be money makers in the end. The truth be told is sometimes they can be a lot more costly and put us into financial ruins. Within the Latinx community, this predatory lending is huge. So what that means is we are most likely possibly targeted for bad loans, high interest, and horrible hidden costs. So I always tell people, can you shop around for multiple lenders that were going to lend you that money to buy that property? So is that going to be a better uh, better loan with the best interest? If you hear the word, your credit doesn't matter, run. <laughs> In addition to rapidly increasing home ownership, Latinx small business owners are now the fastest growing group of entrepreneurs in the U.S., with more Latinxes applying for small business loans than ever. And even though Latinx-owned businesses contribute more than $700 billion in sales to the economy annually, the racial income gap persists, which can ultimately mean lower credit scores, higher interest rates, or being turned down for loans altogether. It's a common story, and one that brothers Sean and Kenny Salas, co-founders of Camino Financial, are all too familiar with. The average size of a Latinx-owned business today generates around $200,000 in revenue per year. Sean Salas is CEO of Camino Financial, a financial technology firm that offers loans to small businesses. He co-founded it with his twin brother, Kenny. So we saw a big opportunity, to say the least, in serving the smaller Latinx-owned businesses, and that's why we started Camino Financial. Sean and Kenny witnessed firsthand the challenges Latinx business owners often face. 
Their mother lost her business of over 30 Mexican restaurants in Los Angeles. Unfortunately, it was like a house of cards that came crashing down all of a sudden. She didn't have the access to resources and capital in order to scale and maintain her businesses. Their experience motivated them to devote themselves to never leaving a small business behind. So our history with Rafael's Pizza dates back to 1979. My parents came back, came from Guatemala. They were able to buy this restaurant and that's how we got into it. Camino Financial stepped in right where we were at the end of our money that we had um, even before the pandemic. I was looking for loans through banks. They weren't giving me a history, um, credit line because I didn't have the restaurant for more than three years. Even though it's been established for over 40, luckily I was able to get into El Camino and they were able to help me out with a loan. At Camino Financial, we fundamentally believe that entrepreneurs are a vessel for economic mobility within our communities. And so, as a start, we need to empower our entrepreneurs to create that generational wealth. Young Latinxes with smart financial habits means the future of the U.S. economy and its growth. On social media, Latinx financial experts turned influencers are using their platforms to connect with the specific needs of their communities normalizing conversations about money, investing, and all the other important finance stuff we fumble through in our 20s. I started Investing Latina in 2019, and I really started because I wanted to share my personal journey of being an investor. But it became a place for people to ask me questions. They know that I am Dominicana, soy Latina, hablo español, y también estoy contestando preguntas en español y en inglés sobre el dinero. And for some of us, building generational wealth is something that's important, something that we would like to do. The power of social media is incredible. I feel like everybody wakes up in the morning and the first thing they check is social media. I put informational content and I teach people the basics. And then I also lead them to learning more about investing through my investing workshops. So it's always about how can we reach the people that really need information. And, and that's what social media does. Our late teens and 20s are already riddled with bad decision making. I once dated a DJ in Ibiza who lived in his van with two iguanas. How we invest our hard-earned dollars shouldn't be one of them. The pandemic has forced us to acknowledge the importance of being financially literate in a system that benefits from people's ignorance and one that has a history of discriminating against communities of color. It's also motivated younger generations to take advantage of increased accessibility to investing. I learned early on that when it comes to money, asking dumb questions is probably the smartest thing you can do. In the short term, you feel like a moron. But by your 30s, you'll have savings, a stock portfolio, a solid retirement plan, and a shred of dignity left when people ask you about your failed Beanie Baby investments of the 90s. <laughs> or Iguaname. I'm Gabriela Fresquez for Radar 2021. Thanks for watching Radar 2021. Please like, subscribe, and comment down below and let us know what issues are important to you. Because let's be honest, there are a lot of issues to choose from. <laughs> so, so many.